This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We got a little shorty today for you. Two hours before we get to A's baseball. I haven't even looked, Cody. Who are we taking on today? Uh, that'd be the World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers of L.A. Well, Dodger Blue, you know, last time you and I were at a Dodger A spring training game, people were saying this could be a preview of the 2020 World Series. Maybe, just maybe, this is the preview of the 2021 World Series where the A's, the Dodgers, can hook up for the third time in the Fall Classic. We've got a great show for you today, obviously. It is a Friday, and Roxy Bernstein will be joining us at 4.30. Steven Nelson from MLB Network, the new host of Intentional Talk with Kevin Millar, will be here at 5 o'clock, and we're still in the AL East. We will head to Florida Ken Singleton will join us. Long-time player, long-time broadcaster, has had an unbelievable career. He's going to be here at 5.30. You see him on the Yes Network. But, you know, you talk about his career, an all-star, uh, Roberto Clemente Award winner uh, in the Orioles Hall of Fame, and, and really one of the legendary broadcasters. He, he's he been doing it for like over 30 years for the Yankees. Let me tell you something. When you're on Yankee television for over 30 years, you're kind of a big deal. So we got Roxy at 4.30, Nelson at 5, and Singleton at 5.30, and then we'll throw you to A's baseball. One new one note from camp, not thrilled about it, but expected it. Mike Fires is going to start on the, we call it, what, it's the IL now? Yeah, the old injured list is what we call it now. Instead of the DL, it's the IL. And... I think we all expected it. Do you have the Melvin yeah. cut about today? Here's Bob Melvin talking about his right-hander. Actually, it's today. I got ahead of myself there. And everything has just gone really well right now. So he still has not thrown to hitters yet. You know, that'll be the next step. So, uh, you know, he, he won't start with us. He'll have to start on the, on, on the DL at this point. But at least he's going in a trajectory that, that is a good one right now. Um, and he tends to respond pretty well, you know, with once he gets going like that, he's a pretty tough guy. He, he can, he's pitched with at times before with some issues and, you know, where we thought maybe he wouldn't be able to start a game, but he did. He's pretty tough and durable as far as making a start. Yeah. And we, I, I, I'm trying to find it somewhere here in my uh, studio. I remember I had written it down. I mean, Mike fires. All he does is win for the A's. And all he does is win at the Oakland Coliseum. Got to get him back. Got to get Frankie Montas back going. 
Chris Bassett obviously was announced as the opening day starter. I was not shocked by that. Chris Bassett came into his own last year. You know, he's one of the guys that for sure did not want the season to end. He just wanted to keep going. The same thing as we heard from Trevor Rosenthal. When you're throwing the ball that good and you're feeling that good, man, two months and a little bit of playoffs, that comes and goes so fast. But for Chris Bassett, no one threw the ball better. I don't know if anybody's going to take the mantle of an ace. And I hate when people start calling people an ace before they really are an ace. You you, you got to win some things to be called an ace. You need more than just some Cy Young votes. You got to lead baseball in some categories. You got to have some hardware. That was the one thing that always drove me nuts about Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was young. He was talented, at times very electric. But we put that he's an ace tag on him because, what, he finished third in the Cy Young? Yeah, you got you got to bring home some hardware and you got to you got to have some all-star appearances. You got to for 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 us to really call you an ace. So I don't think we have that on the staff right now. Is the potential there? Of course. I think the first guy you look at is Jesus Lazardo. But Chris Bassett was the best pitcher for the A's last year and, and deserves the nod. He's really stepped into his own now that he's healthy. You know, he's another one of these guys that struggled with Tommy John. And it's not your classic, oh, you just get a new arm. No, it's not that easy. And not that easy for a lot of guys. But I'm happy for Chris. Watching him go through what he went, you know, getting sent back down again as as he unfortunately was a fourth option because he missed that whole season with Tommy John, that they were able to send him down. But he came back, threw the ball well for the A's in 2019, went to the manager and said, listen, you need help. And in the bullpen, I'll leave the starting rotation and help out of the bullpen. Which something that he wasn't thrilled about years ago. But it's like the light went on for Chris Bassett. And he, he became all about team and winning. And that's when 2019, 2020, it's really all clicked for him now. And I got to tell you, Cody, I'm so happy for him. He's such a good guy, and he's been through so much. To now be able to say you were an opening day starter in Major League Baseball, uh, you're kind of it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, he went 5-2 and two last year, and he had the 229 ERA, the 53 strikeouts, and only 11 starts in the 2020 season. But you're right. He came into his own. He was great. Now, remember the playoff game he started against the White Sox, where he what? He went into the he went into the eighth inning. Something we don't see pitchers do very often anymore. He did it in a playoff game, mind you. So that incredible streak he was on from what the beginning of September through the playoffs was unreal. Where he was probably the best pitcher in the American League uh, through that month. I mean, it was an, it was a dominant stretch that you know we knew his consistency and how and how well he could pitch, but we didn't see that coming. Um, and it was great, and hopefully he can build off of it coming into this year. And, and I listened to him when he – his reaction to being named the opening day starter yesterday. And just listening to him talking about being in the moment and, and controlling the things he can control and all that stuff, like that's stuff that I've been learning for years. So like hearing another guy, a major league baseball player, 
learn about controlling the controllable and all that stuff. It's, it was really refreshing to hear. And just his journeys of coming from Tommy John surgery and coming back from it and not knowing if he's going to be a swing guy or if he's going to be in the rotation or the, or the bullpen or in the minors or whatnot. And then to be in the open day starter, he expressed a lot of gratitude yesterday, and it was great to hear, and I'm happy for him. I really am. Yeah, and I got to tell you, so early this morning, I did a Zoom call with Billy Bean and David Force. I don't know exactly what they're doing with that. Do you know? I think we're going to end up using it for um, our A's homecoming, which is um, it's actually going to start tomorrow through March 31st, and it's going to be all posted on social. It's kind of like um, – I want to say it's almost like a virtual fan fest kind of thing we're going to do. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's essentially what it's going to be. But it's going to—they're going to start putting content out on the athletics Twitter handle and social media pages tomorrow, starting tomorrow through the end of March. So fans can check out all the content from you and from other things we're going to be doing with the players and everything for the next couple of days starting tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm doing Instagram live with Dave Cavill tomorrow at noon. But the reason why I bring it up is. You know, we just had that article in The Athletic about how dysfunctional the Colorado Rockies are, where the communication it sounds horrible and says a lot about who they are and why they are what they are. And the fact that you ink up Nolan Arenado and he's our franchise guy, he, he, and then all of a sudden the relationship just goes sour that fast. Something's going on. You know, one thing that I noticed today, or I should say this morning with Billy and David. It's really how long these guys have been together. The continuity that has been in this organization, and you throw Melvin on, who's now the longest tenured manager in Major League Baseball. The continuity here has been phenomenal. And one thing that I could tell, you know, it's one thing when you're, when you're doing a phone interview and you can't see the person. But when you're when you're doing a Zoom interview, you get to see him, and you can just tell there is a confidence right now amongst everyone. We've heard it from the players, and now I truly saw it this morning for Billy and David, as they talked about how you know spring training's about to start. They do the deal with the Rangers. And then the two of them got on the phone and started making deals. You know, all of a sudden you have this extra money. You need relievers. And there's still good quality guys out there. You ink Yesmero Petit back up. David's calling Sergio Romo's agent. Billy's calling Trevor Rosenthal's agent. And... They're very pleased with the roster that they have. And they're confident. And why wouldn't they be? 97 wins two straight years, and their winning percentage last year, which won them the division, if they would have stayed on that trajectory, would have been 97 wins again. You win 97 games three straight years, you're balling. That's a big total. And they think they're better. They think they're better. They've built a roster and a 40-man 40, 40 roster 
that's got depth and has talent. And these East Coast honks are clueless. I can't wait. I I can't wait for the A's to prove them wrong again. As I have been told, I haven't heard it. Carl Ravitch, ESPN, all his job is, is baseball. He doesn't do football. He doesn't do basketball. ESPN's getting hockey back. He's not doing hockey. All he does is do baseball. And he actually said on Buster Olney's podcast that the Angels are going to take the West from the Astros. Let me say that again. The Angels are going to take the West title from the Astros. A guy who is full-time baseball on ESPN doesn't know the A's won the division last year. Am I shocked? Cody, are you shocked by that? I'm not shocked. I don't think these guys know anything about baseball out on the West Coast. Well, they know the Dodgers and how great Fernando Tatis Jr. is. He's the greatest. He's going to be the NL MVP. If it's not DeGrom, it's going to be him. No, it's going to be Juan Soto. Juan Soto is going to be the National League MVP, and I'm saying it right now, and I'll say it just like I picked the Marlins to make the playoffs. Juan Soto will win the National League MVP this year. Not not Fernando Tatis Jr., not uh, Jacob there DeGrom. Three, there, were, there were three guys on that MVP show on MLB Network from the National League. One was a Padre. Who was that? It was, I only try 70% of the time, Manny Machado. Manny Machado was the representative for the MVP for the Padres, not Fernando Tatis Jr. So, I, I, I the fact that, and, but you know what, though? What did David Force tell us? We, we like being under the radar. We like surprising people. Let everybody think about the Astros. Let everybody think about the Angels. I get it. It just, it fries me personally. But C.J. Nikowski said it best. Hey, we all know our own team's best. And these guys on the East Coast, they think once it hits 10 o'clock at night on the East Coast, baseball's over. I just, I, I just, what are they looking at? I don't get it. I, I really, I got to be honest with you, I don't get it. If you give like, me if you give me two minutes, I will get the official audio from Carl Ravitch and Buster Only. I have it downloaded right here in front of me. I'm working on it. So give me about two minutes, and you can hear Carl Ravitch's AL West pick and his AL MVP pick, which will surprise some people. Oh, and, and, and even Buster, who I know Buster knows the game. Even Buster is is bullish on the Angels. I what have they what, what are they seeing that we're not? Because I keep saying all the time, how are they going to get 27 outs? How are they going to do it? Where are they going to get this pitching? I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, Otani looks like he's healthy, but you're throwing him once every six days. There's not a whole lot of value in that. At least they're finally coming around to the fact that, hey, this guy's bat's got to be in the lineup. I mean, they got. I mean, they're lying. 
what they are on paper versus what they really are is a totally different deal. But that's fine. We'll be bringing them on A's Cast Live, and we'll be like, Buster, why are you picking the Angels? And here the A's are in first place. Why won't you buy in year in and year out? They've only made the playoffs six out of eight years. Do you have it yet? I'm going to pull it from my email, and I'll have it. So give me one second. I just got it. It's like 25 seconds or so. But this was on the podcast today, Baseball Tonight. And I, 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 The same thing happens with the Rays. I don't know if that will be the case going forward because the Rays finally made it to the World Series. Maybe the East Coast Honks won't be completely shocked when the Rays are, are, are winning the East. All right, when, I, I have it Stanton, now. When Stanton and Judge are on the DL for half the season. That's being kind. Go ahead. It's being very huh? kind. Half the season, that's being very kind. All right. So <laughs> Go ahead. Play it. So here's Carl Ravitch on bus, uh, baseball tonight with Buster Olney earlier today. American League West. I have the Angels, and I have Shohei Otani as my MVP. I think people are sleeping on on what his comeback means, how great a player he is when he's in the batter's box, how good he is as a pitcher. I think the Angels actually wrestled that away from the Astros. Some of those injuries to the Astros so far this spring trouble me. I'm amazed by how much you and I are agreeing. We're both in trouble on that one. American League West. Sorry about that. Yeah, Buster also thinks the Angels are going to be a playoff team. I think he picked the Astros, but I think he thinks the – Angels are going to be, or he's buying in all in on the Angels hype this year. We're going to hold these guys to it. Hey, Hembo stood up for us. What did Hembo say? Hembo said the A's are going to be a playoff team. He said it last year, too. Except he likes the Astros. True. And Shohei Otani is the AL MVP. I mean, I'd love to see it, but you're telling me he's going to have a better year than Mike Trout is? Stop. So. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to give me an MVP from the Angels, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, if it's I'm not, going with the greatest player in the game, if, who is it, the greatest player in the game by far. And if uh, the projection, hey, how about the projection from Baseball Reference? Have you looked at what they project for Shohei Otani in 2021? Uh, is this on, this is on his page? No, I haven't looked at it. Is this pitching or hitting? This is hitting. What do they have him? Because he, he's killing he's in spring. Pro- he's projected 259 batting average, 21 home runs, 70 RBIs, and 808 OPS. That is not getting you the MVP. Sorry. I also think that with he would if you're picking a guy from the Angels and you're not picking Trout. Don't you think Anthony Rendon would probably be the second guy that you're picking, not Shohei Otani? But I just and and you know I, I I'm a fan of Shohei Otani. From the first time I ever saw him, I thought I thought, wow, he's 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 tall, he's athletic, and he was ripping balls out of Oakland, and I was like, wow. And then watching him run down to first base to beat out a base hit, you're like, for a guy who's, what is he, 6'4", 6'5"? Otani, I think he's 6, he might be 6'5". But he runs like a a gazelle because his legs are so long. Yeah, he runs like a deer. 
I was like, I was like, who were these scouts who said this guy wasn't going to be able to play Major League Baseball from an offensive standpoint? Six four, so close. Yeah, they say he's almost as fast as Trout at six four. It's impressive. Now, I don't want him to be great. I don't want him to win the MVP, and I don't want Trout to win the MVP. But I don't. I don't know what the fascination is. Is it Joe Madden? What is the fascination with the Angels? It's Joe Madden. It has to be because Madden brings that he brings that championship pedigree because he won in Chicago and he he won in he did a really good job in Tampa Bay and he built he builds good cultures, which is great. But he had all that talent in Chicago and they won one World Series. One. And he got the one with the Rays, but I mean, look at the Angels. They have a lot of talent. They don't have any pitching. When your top three guys are Otani, who can't stay healthy, as we've seen, pitching. Uh, Dylan Bundy, who's had one good major league season, which was in a 60-game season, and Andrew Heaney, who he's okay. I mean, I wouldn't say he's a top-of-the-line top rotation guy. They're supposed to use a six-man rotation. I couldn't even name their other three starters. Patrick did Sandoval. Say, did, did, did you say – I think they just released Jesse Chavez. They did. They released him and John Jay. So two veteran did guys. Say, did you say championship culture? They did, yes. Oh, he. Let, let, let me let me give you a proper introduction. Because when I look at that ring, I think of one thing: you're a two-time. Arena Bowl champion. So you're only 14 behind the greatest champion of all time. No, it's not Tom Brady. It's the no. great it's the great Ric Flair. The styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. And remember, to be the man, you gotta beat the man. It's true. What Cody is talking about is yesterday after – oh, we weren't, we weren't working yesterday. But <laughs> last night I picked up my 2015 Arena Bowl championship ring where the San Jose Sabercats were dominant over Jacksonville 68-47. to And this ring is sweet. I got my championship ring last night, and I'm wearing it as we speak for good luck for the 2021 season because before I'm done, all I want is an A's World Series ring. I don't know when my career will be over, when I will retire. I'll probably have to work till I die, but it, I, I want a World Series A's ring. That's what I want. When you told me you're getting the ring and you showed it to me, the first thing that popped in my head was, what was this? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I now I knew. Don't... Sorry, I keep I hitting knew. play. Huh? I'm having a bad day. I keep hitting play because I keep I thinking it's going to go, and then it stops, and I hit play, and it plays again. Now, I knew I was never getting a Super Bowl ring with the Raiders. 
Wow. Shots fired to John Cruden. <laughs> That's your guy. Hey, Tony. Hey, I tell you what, man. Yeah, I knew. I, I was on the sideline for those games and Jack Del Rio. The only chance was when, if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt against the Colts on Christmas Eve, that team may have had a chance. May. But I, I, I've, I, I've watched a lot of bad football. This is this 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 may be the year. They're gonna have a shot. It's anybody's game. I mean, last year they finally got over a hump. But those guys went away disappointed. And 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 rightfully so. You have to believe you can do it. If you don't believe, you won't accomplish it. And I, I I, think really for the first time, this A's group, and I'm telling you, what I saw from Billy, what I saw from David earlier today, because you know, I haven't seen those guys in forever. We haven't seen Billy Bean. We haven't seen David Forrest. We haven't seen Dave Cavill. I got to see him today. I saw the confidence. They know this team is good. And that's why I can't wait for Thursday. There's a handful of teams that legitimately, I think you could say, can win the World Series. The A's are one of them. Who's going to rise to the occasion in 2021? Hey, those guys in Southern California are going to be tough to beat. Dodgers are still the real deal. I mean, when they line up, when we, when you see the Dodgers and you're going up in a three-game series against Kershaw, Bauer, and Bueller, are you kidding me? They're still going to be tough to beat. I don't think the Astros are going to be. I, I told you, I think the Astros crumble this year. And Angels have no pitching. When did baseball forget that it's about pitching and defense? Where did your data, Cody, change baseball where, oh, my God, they got Judge and Stanton. It's just home runs. Like, pitching a D. How many times has Ray Foster got to tell you to win championships, it's pitching and defense? Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays got to the World Series on, well, wait for it, uh, pitching and defense. Um, their offense wasn't that great. They got lucky because Randy Orozarena had the greatest world uh, playoff run in the history of baseball. Last year, which a lot of people are picking to be the uh, AL Rookie of the Year, which he could be, but um, we'll see. I think it's going to be Andrew Vaughn from the White Sox, but because he's probably going to take over for Eloy Jimenez, who got hurt. Oh yeah, that was horrible. And Nick Anderson, yeah. super reliever for the the Rays, they'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, they're saying he doesn't need Tommy John, right? That he'll be back mid season. They're saying they're hoping the All Star break, but it could go push push back until October or uh, August, which means they'll. You'll either see filthy, disgusting, dirty Diego Castillo on the mound because that's just how his pitches are. They're unbelievably nasty. Or you'll see Peter Fairbanks, who also throws 100, because remember the Rays, including the postseason, had 13 different pitchers get a save last year. So, eh, Nick Anderson doesn't pitch, whatever. They'll find another Nick Anderson somewhere and bring him in. Yeah, yeah he's pretty good. He is. How much you want to bet he ends up having Tommy John? I want to say it's, he's – 
it's very rare. These guys that like want to prolong it. They most of the time, I mean, you, your elbow's torn. And I know once you get Tommy John surgery, you're out for 14 months. But what's his name for the Yankees, the Japanese pitcher? Is one of the only guys. Tanaka. Tanaka, who had a who, who said, I'm not going to do it and survived. That's very, very rare. Yeah, and I just looked because I, I swear I thought Nick Anderson had Tommy John before. He's already had it. So okay. this would be – he'd be like Fairbanks. Fairbanks has already had it twice. I mean, it's just – I mean, it's just an unru- – it's a – I wouldn't say it's an unreal realization. It's a realization that some of these guys are going to have it twice. Charlie Morton's had it twice. It's just it's just happening more and more in baseball now. And you know, you know, some of these guys are coming back throwing hard still, but that's unfortunate for the Rays. And then you saw you look and going back to your point about pitching and defense. Oh, the Dodgers have a pretty good pitching staff uh, and a pretty good defense. Oh, and they added the NL Cy Young winner to their pitching staff. Um, they didn't go out and sign uh, who was the biggest free agent hitter. Um, they didn't go out and get JT Realmuto to put in their lineup, or George Springer. They got a they got the best pitcher on the market to come in to help bolster their pitching staff because they're looking. They understand the pitching defense or how you win a championship because they just did it. It's how you win. Roxy Bernstein, ESPN and A's broadcaster, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. So throughout the season, we're going to have Roxy Bernstein on every Friday because he's going to be calling the game of the week on Saturday on ESPN. And he'll be doing a lot of Sunday night baseball. Please tell me the first game. And I, I haven't looked at the schedule. Actually, we did Yankees today. Um... Please tell me the first game is not Yankees Red Sox. Uh, for Sunday Night Baseball, it's not. It's um, I want to say it's the Mets. Here, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. I'll call Roxy, but um, I want to say the first game on Sunday Night Baseball is White Sox Angels. Well, actually, you, you know the Yankees' first game on Sunday night is going to be uh, against the Blue Jays. That wouldn't be a bad one. Hello, Roxy. Hi there, Uncle Tony. How are you? I was just saying and praising you for Game Uh-oh. of the Week on Saturday for ESPN and doing Sunday Night Baseball. I just said, I hope to God your first game is not Yankees-Red Sox, and that will not be the case. <laughs> no. My first game is opening night. I've got the Mets and the Nationals on uh, opening day. So... We're less than a week away, isn't it nuts? It's here. Carl Ravitch today, and I respect his career. I mean, he's had a long career at ESPN, but he was on Buster Olney, and he's like, I think the Angels wrestled the West away from the Astros. It's like, do you not know that the A's won the West last year? (laughs) I I just want to know with what pitching are the Angels going to wrestle away the American League West? Because, oh, yeah, okay, Otani might be back. And certainly Dylan Bundy was impressive. And But, you know, Andrew, I mean, how much stock do you put in Andrew Heaney? And Griffin Canning has been was inconsistent last year. Jose Quintana, you look at the bullpen. I, I just, I don't see it with the Angels. Do you? Nope. And I think this is the year that finally the Astros 
got to deal with the cheating scandal. And and we're dealing with human beings. And when every single night people are yelling cheater at you, it's going to get to you. I, I, I'm predicting that the Astros crumble. It, it's possible, you know, but at, at the same time, so much time has passed and we played a season and there's still going to be some frustration. Like when they come to the Coliseum and have to deal with the A's fans or when they go to Yankee stadium, they're going to have to deal with the wrath of the Yankee fans. I think it's only going to be in certain places that they're going to still have to deal with it. Right. If, if they go to Seattle, do you think the Mariner fans are really going to care if they go to uh, Cleveland, do you think the Indian fans are going to care? Or if they go to Baltimore, you think the Orioles fans are going to be all over them? Roxy, I think they are. I think everybody is. They may not. I mean, let's face it. When you're drinking beers in the stands, you're going to love to rag these guys. (laughs) Who's not going to want to rag these guys? Yeah. I mean, and they face the Dodgers. Clearly, there's going to be some animosity there also if they, you know, at Dodger Stadium. But it's, I just wonder. I mean, look. Obviously, we care, right, it connected to the A's because the A's were victims, and it cost the A's a potentially a division title, and who knows how much further the A's could have gone. But after that, okay, yes, the Yankees, and but the Red Sox were doing some things also. I mean, the White Sox, look, the White Sox may be the best team in the American League, at least on paper, um, but are the White Sox fans really going to care about it? Because the White Sox were – were garbage when the Astros were doing their shenanigans and doing things. So I, I just don't know how much the White Sox fans per se will care. Now, when they come to the Coliseum or they go to Yankee stadium or Dodger stadium, it's, it's going to be prime time for the Astros. They're going to have to try to, you know, put the earmuffs on and try to focus on the game because they know that the wrath is coming. But I just wonder about other places, if they're going to care as much as the A's fans will. You know, your your opening day assignment, you know, a lot of people, they like DeGrom. And, you know, we're not talking about Cy Young right now. They're talking about MVP. I mean, there, there there's some big expectations for this guy heading into 2021. Well, you're looking at DeGrom against Scherzer on opening night, right? And that's going to be pretty spicy, that pitching matchup between the two. And with some of the moves that were made in the offseason, of course, with the Mets bringing in, making the big deal with the Indians to get Lindor, there's a wow factor with the Mets. And do they have some offense now to finally go along with these guys? And, you know, if Pete Alonso clearly has become a big name, Michael Conforto has become a force in their lineup. So the Mets have made some moves over the last few years to try to put themselves in this position. But, look, DeGrom would take the mound, but he just wouldn't get any support. Well, guess what? Now he's got it. Right now, hopefully, for the Mets' sake and for his sake, that they will come and score runs for him, which they haven't been doing for for his entire career. Right? If you look at the runs production that that has been lacking, I mean, he's a look, he's got 70 career wins. He's 70 and 51 with an ERA of 2.6. Right, you think with the numbers that he would have put up, he's got a career whip, Chris, of, of barely over one. Oh, God. And yet, his career high in wins is 15, and he had 15 wins when he had the highest ERA of his career. So, 
I just you look at the numbers that he's put up and the ridiculous strikeout numbers and the whip and the strikeout to walk ratio that he's had. His stuff is electric, but for some reason they just have not scored runs for him over the the entire career. I mean, Chris, the year he was a Cy Young Award winner at a one point seven ERA, he was ten and nine. He had a whip of point nine that year, and they just they they haven't been able to score runs. That's the key. Can the Mets score enough runs this year? And Lindor clearly changes the offense. So have they addressed it enough? I'm not sure. But at least the offense has a little more thump than it did previously for the Mets. Well, and and I think about Lindor, kind of like Mookie Betts, where right before the start of the season, it's like, hey, you got to get me inked up or I don't want to talk about it. I mean, Cohen comes in, he's worth – what, $16 billion? Billions upon billions. Yeah, he's the richest owner in baseball. It Wouldn't it just be smart for our guy Sandy to go, what do you want? You want $300 million or? <laughs> Sandy's like, it's not my money. What do you want? Yeah, let's go. Right? I mean, don't you want to? I mean, if you really think you're going to be a player this year, why, why would you want to go through a season where you're going through talking about contracts constantly with Lindor? You, you, you traded for him. Sign him up and let's go. And you don't want that drama considering the moves, not just, you know, they got Lindor, but, you know, Carlos Carrasco was brought in in that trade and maybe Marcus Stroman can settle in now with the Mets. Uh, but they've, they've bolstered the bullpen the last few years with Diaz closing and Dylan Betances there coming over from the Yankees. They still have the former athletic great, Jerice Familia. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it, it's it's there for the Mets, right? If things fall into place for the Mets, it is there for them to make a run. Now, Atlanta is certainly, I think, a big threat to them in the East. When you look at the Braves rotation, they just named Max Free their opening day starter. Uh, I, I like the mix that the Braves have. I have some questions about their bullpen, and you wonder about Will Smith as a closer. But they've got the offense, Chris. When you look at that lineup and the, the bats that they have, with bringing back Marcelo Zuna, with Acuna, with Freddie Freeman, uh, Dansby Swanson there, that is a heck of a lineup that the Braves are going to run out there day in, day out. So where are you on, oh, my God, how are we going to pitch all these innings with these pitchers? Scott Emerson said there's no data that says guys should struggle whatsoever. Actually, I mean, if you go glass half full – Guys are kind of protected, and they haven't thrown as much. But there's still people out there going, you're you're going to need so many different pitchers. Where are you on that? I agree with Emo, just because we don't really have the data. Because we never have seen a season like we saw last year. And it was an abbreviated run for teams. But I also have to think, especially the starters, that their arms are going to be pretty well-rested. Wouldn't you think, considering – they weren't taxed early in the year. They were kind of eased in and built up as the season went on. And it was a sprint. It wasn't a long marathon season where guys were taking 30 to 35 starts last year. Guys were only getting the ball, what 15 times. So I don't think it was as taxing and stressful on the body as a normal season. So I think you're going to see some fresher pitchers that are going to be ready to go this year. And I know a lot of teams, including the A's, have backed off their starters a little bit at the beginning of spring training and tried to work them in as spring went along, which I think will benefit them as well. So 
I, I, I'm on, on the opposite side. I know people worried about, oh, well, they had to give max effort in a shorter amount of time last year. I'm not buying it, Chris. I, I think that the 2020 season will save some of the arms of the pitchers and they'll be a little bit fresher this year. Cody, what was that number you had that they were projecting? I don't know if it was amount of pitchers or it was something that was like, come on, are you serious? And I know I took the under whatever the number was. So the number last year, Roxy, was I think we used they basically basically is like 735 different pitchers and they're projecting it to go well over 900 this year. And that might happen. You know, but we, we see all types of pitcher movement during the course of a year. What was it, Cody? Did they have the data from two years ago about how many pitchers were used in 2019? Yeah, it was somewhere around like 850 or something like that. Okay. So, uh, if, could it approach 900? Yeah, it, it probably could. Um, that Again, it doesn't really phase me about, oh, the pitchers were so taxed. I, I don't buy it. I, I think that it'll keep some pitchers fresher and give them opportunities, then we may see some more roster manipulation this year than we've seen in past years, right? With the bullpen, with arms, guys coming up and down, now you have more players in reserve with, you know, you're going to see a regular spring training or a minor league season, I should say. So the guy who was a flash in the pan, maybe a double A last year, didn't get a look because there was no minor league season. Well, guess what? All of a sudden you're looking for a jolt in your starting rotation or a power arm to come out of the bullpen. Well, here's a guy sitting at double A right now that can help you. And that guy wasn't there last year because you weren't aware of what he could do. So the, the guy that all of a sudden catches everybody by storm, uh, I think is the opportunity for a young pitcher to come up this year. And we've seen it in the past. It just wasn't part of the equation last year because there was no, there was no minor league season to go off of. We just had the alternate site last year and, how much could you really tell about a guy from an alternate site when there really wasn't regular competition? Are there really 900-plus guys good enough to really pitch Major <laughs> League Baseball? I mean, they no, on, on no but they, they get the Major League service time. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys at the back end of some of the bullpens of lousy teams, you, you think they're legitimate Major League pitchers? I mean, I guess technically they are, but, hey, guys got to fill out a roster somehow, and – you know, with the roster manipulation that we've seen with guys and service time and people not wanting to bring people up uh, just to start the clock, then you throw somebody who's not necessarily a bona fide major leaguer into the mix. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, the one thing that I'm going to enjoy this September is the walk out to the bullpen, and there won't be 8 million guys walking out there. <laughs> and you know what we're not going to see this year? A guy walking from the bullpen through the sand to the Coliseum to use the urinal in the concourse. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking to Ray Fossey about that because Fossey thinks it was Grinky. It wasn't Grinky. Who was, who was it, the guy that was walking around? Uh, well, I mean, I told you the story where Jose Altuve sat right in front of me at the Coliseum the one day. Remember that doubleheader in September and uh, he was on the injured list. All of a sudden, who pops in right down two rows in front of me? Because I was sitting at the top of, uh, what was I, at section 112 maybe, right above the visiting dugout, or 114, something like that. But Jose Altuve comes and just sits two rows in front of me. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm not kidding you, Chris. I was looking over. The, I can't even remember who it was from the A's bullpen last year. But I literally looked over and saw somebody during the middle of the game, like during an inning, walk up the stands and I'm assuming he was going to the men's room, 
because it was a shorter walk to the concourse restroom than it was to the clubhouse. So I can't say that I blame him for doing that. No, I mean. (laughs) When you got to go, you got to go. You know, the thing is, for these players, for the first time in their career, they never get to see the ballpark. You know, you take the bus and you get off and you go Mm -hmm. to the clubhouse and you go on the field. For the first time, these guys actually got to walk around and see what these ballparks actually look like. Yeah, you know, some of them do. And when you're there early enough, you see guys getting their running in, right? They try to run the stairs during batting practice before the gates open and fans get in. It's, it's the pitchers, right? It's the starters, maybe some relievers who need to get a workout in before a game. Those guys are running the stands. They're running around the stadium. and But that's the extent of it. And But last year, they had the, the opportunity more to roam and, and check things out and Look, because they tried to limit the clubhouse time and the amount of time that they were around one another. I mean, I've seen a trickle down to the college level right now, Chris, where they're not allowing more than half the team inside a locker room to get dressed for a game. And they can't hang out. You know, Chris, you did it. You played at San Jose State. You guys are playing cards during BP, staying loose, trying, you know, just to get ready for the game. That avenue hasn't been there last year for the major leaguers, and it's not there right now for the college guys. Until, you know, we get through this, we're, we're dealing with some unique situations and we're seeing it filter down to the college level as well. Hey, how's it going in, in college? It, it, so the season, it's going okay. I mean, everything that I'm, everything that I'm hearing is people are being smart. They're being cautious about how they approach things. There's been very few issues so far, which is great to see. Um, and it's certainly a positive and, Look, the basketball season, we saw numerous pauses and games canceled and interruptions. And you feel for a team like, for example, VCU at the NCAA tournament in basketball that had a positive test and then they had to pull out before their first round game against Oregon. So it's, it's a reminder that everything is still prevalent and we still have to be cautious about the way we approach things and handle our business and stay safe and, and be smart. But it also showing you that we're getting through this right now with the, with the precautions everybody's taking and the steps that people are, are trying to keep everybody safe. Speaking of college basketball, oh, first of all, uh, Cody right now is holding arguably, I think there's two bobbleheads that may be the worst bobbleheads of Uh-oh. all time. One is Steve. Is it the Crook and Kipe one? Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. The <laughs> Steve Nash one in Phoenix, he looks like Pee Wee Herman. And and the Jared Golf Jared Goff cow bobblehead. Is, I have that one. It's awful. I have it. It's it's sitting around here. Why is it awful? He's throwing a football. He's looking up into the sky. It's like it's like, well, who is this guy? Well, if you're playing behind that cow offensive line that he played behind, you pray to the heavens too. <laughs> hey, uh, how's your brackets doing? Oh, it's busted like everybody else's. Are you kidding? I mean, I still have my national champion. I still have my national runner-up. My other two Final Four teams are out. Um, my West bracket's actually looking good because I did have USC and Oregon going to the Sweet 16. Uh, so, and I have Gonzaga, my, my national champion, coming out of that bracket. But ever, everywhere else has gone to hell in a handbasket. Oh, you, you, let's just say this. Your Pac-12 showed up. Conference of Champions, and people doubt the legend, Bo Walton. Come on. <laughs> hey, to be honest with you, Chris, 
I didn't see this coming at all. Now, I, th- I, I did have three Pac-12 teams getting through to the Sweet 16, to be honest. I had three, and Colorado was my third. I did not see this with UCLA. I did not see this with Oregon State. But it certainly has made us around the Pac-12 stick our chests out a little bit more and uh, have a little more pep on our step, so to speak. In my group, at one point, I was leading. Okay. I dropped, I dropped all the way to the ninth. I mean, you're still there. How, how many people are in the in in your pool? Uh, it's like twenty something. Oh, you're still you're if you're in top ten, you're still doing okay. Who's your champion? The Zags. So yeah, you're still there. You got a chance. I I I couldn't believe how I kept checking it. I just kept dropping and dropping and drop and and just like I'm looking at my bracket like everybody's losing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I look, I had Texas going to the Final Four. They couldn't get past Abilene Christian. I had Illinois going to the Final Four. And then uh, the guy who looks like your plumber, Cameron Crutwig in Loyola, Chicago, took down Illinois. So, I mean, who would have thought we'd have Oregon State against Loyola, Chicago in the Sweet 16? Hey, your, your Big Ten stinks. Uh, it's not my Big Ten. Don't look over here. They had, yeah. But, I mean, come on, you got nine teams into the field and you only have one left and what, you had two one-seeds and two two-seeds and a four? I, I think with the way Oregon dismantled Iowa was eye-opening for the Big Ten Conference. How does that, how does that happen? How, I mean, they, they, they all just stunk. It's funny. I, I think people just bought the hype train of the Big Ten. And were bought into the, the league was a dominant league. Look, it's a good league. And, but I think that the league was clearly overvalued. And, for example, the Pac-12 was undervalued. Because there's no way Oregon should have been a seven seed. Not a chance. If, you, when, if anybody watched that game against Iowa, who was a two seed, you, it, it, Oregon clearly was the better team. And it was, it's not even close. But yet, Oregon was a seven and Iowa was a two. And I just, look, Luca Garza at Iowa was a great player, but they had nothing else. And Oregon just capitalized on that matchup. But it's not just Iowa, right? It's Ohio State getting bounced right off the get-go. Illinois losing. You go down the list. I mean, Michigan State was supposed to trounce UCLA and, oh, they're going to go to the Sweet 16 as an 11th seed. Well, guess what? UCLA comes back to beat him, and UCLA is still alive. So I just think that, I mean, Purdue, you want to go on and on with the struggles of the Big Ten. I just think people bought into the hype from the league, and the league just wasn't as good as people thought it was. Let's end on this because I've seen this out on Twitter where people are saying, see, this is why college football needs to be more like college basketball because anybody can beat anybody. And we've seen, whether it's like a Boise State, against Oklahoma or TCU or what, but do you buy that you expand the playoffs and let the smaller conferences come in and be a part of who potentially could win the national title? Well, well, for me, I've always thought they should open the door and give more of an opportunity to the group of five conferences. And I've always valued Chris and you guys, you and I have talked about this over the years a ton. I've always viewed the regular season conference championship is significant. And I think that the Power Five conferences, the SEC, the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, your 
regular season champions should get an automatic berth in the college football playoff. The playoff should expand to eight teams. You have five automatic spots and then three more spots available for a group of five, a second team from, let's say, the SEC, opens the door for Notre Dame, BYU, et cetera. And I think that would be the fairest model that you could have because, again, I value that regular season championship. It's clear the committee does not because you see teams from the same division in the same conference going to the, uh, the, the, the final four, if you will, in the college football playoff. I, I've, I've always felt it should be eight, and I've always felt there should be automatic bursts for the power conference champions. Well, the pride of Redwood City, the pride of St. Francis High School, the pride of UCLA, and now the coach of a football power, Brent Brennan, needs to have that opportunity. Your national college football coach of the year, Brent Brennan. That's what I'm, I mean. I mean, he should have an opportunity. Uh, look, uh, what he did last year, yeah. He would have been knocking on the door to get that chance. The unfortunate thing for the Spartans was they were so far down in the power rankings that I don't think they would have been able to sneak in. But when you look at, you know, for example, it seemed like Coastal Carolina, what they did last year, they felt they should have had a seat at the table. And BYU was in the conversation until they lost that game to Coastal Carolina. But we can have these discussions, but if you open up the field, the playing field a little bit more, it gives that opportunity to those other leagues and not just the power conference teams. Now, I know a lot of people don't care, but I'm going to bring this up anyway. Um, so Tyrone Willingham, one-time great Stanford coach, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, uh, Washington, he also belongs up at Center Bar Hills. So I, I play golf with him every once in a while. And I said to, I said to him, because he's a big fan of Brent, I, I'm like, Coach, your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator can't go to the game because of COVID. The guys who set the game plans and call the game, and you're missing like five to six of your best players. There was no way we were going to win that game. No, not a chance. And look, and they fell behind by a huge margin and came back and made it interesting, uh, which has been a characteristic. He knew that San Jose State wouldn't quit. But come on, it's, it's like all of a sudden you're going into a playoff game, game seven of a, a World Series, and you're down not only to your starting pitcher that day, but take out your pitching coach, your uh, hitting coach is gone for the day, your closer, um, your three-hitter, and then the other guy you were probably going to start on the mound because your regular starter couldn't go. That's kind of like what San Jose State had to deal with in the bowl game. Yeah, Olsen, Chapman, Loriano, yeah. They're, yeah, they're all not playing. You think you're going to win? I- exactly. And, oh, by the way, you don't have uh, Bassett or Manaya. <laughs> Good luck. And, and, right. you didn't have, and you wouldn't have Liam Hendricks either. So the next time we talk to you, next Friday, you will have baseball. You will already done opening day, Mets and the Nats. And who yep. you got on Saturday? Uh, do not know as of yet. There is a uh, wrench in the plan, so to speak. So we're all kind of waiting to see how everything shakes down. But it will be from the peninsula. I will not be traveling. Put it this way, Chris. There is no plans to travel anytime soon. That I can tell you. Why? I'm just doing what what I'm told to do. I'm actually headed to San Antonio tomorrow. I'm working again. You know, you you keep saying how many people I work for. Here's another one. I'm working for Westwood One. I was in Indianapolis for Westwood One last week doing the men's tournament. I'm going to do two games in the Elite Eight uh, Monday and Tuesday 
from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio in the women's NCAA tournament. So after not calling a women's game all season, all of a sudden I'm brushing up really quick on uh, you know, Tara Vanderveer and the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, you collect so many checks from so many different people. I would hate to do your taxes. <laughs> Which reminds me, i got to give my stuff to my guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, be safe, be well. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Tony. See you. The great Roxy Bernstein right here. We'll have him every Friday because he's going to have, once again, the game of the week on Saturday and Sunday night baseball on ESPN. Plus, he'll call games for our Oakland Athletics and the bazillion other people he works for. What is that medal you're showing me? It's that medal I got from my my university about being a, um, what is it, top 20 graduate under the age of 40. And I was in the inaugural class, okay? I don't have a I don't have an arena bowl ring because I'm, I'm not a big deal. I just have a medal. Do I need to go get my medal out where I won for best chicken wings at a barbecue contest <laughs> amongst friends? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was stiff competition. That's like, that's like that's like that guy that has a trophy for fantasy football among his friends. It's like, yeah, I got the trophy. I heard one one of the best commercials I heard recently is the guy's like, I finished in second place. And it was like, Lynn can keep the trophy, but I can wear that t- that runner-up T-shirt. You can't take a trophy anywhere, but I can wear the T-shirt. Was that true that someone had a league that if you came in last, you had to get a tattoo? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that people are doing stuff, to do stuff like that. I can't even imagine that. Coming up next, we're talking MLB Network right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN and MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. And when I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to Ace Cast Live. You know, I don't want to tell anybody how to do their business. But a rotating host doesn't work. Really has never worked. I don't even know when I could think of where it worked on radio or television, where you had a rotating guy. You know, as as they say, if you got Cody, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't got one. That's a good analogy you bring about radio. Um, Taking people behind the curtain. Wasn't the reason why the wheelhouse on 95.7 was called the wheelhouse because they kept having rotating people until they finally settled on was it Papa they finally settled on, or was it Lund? I can't remember the way it worked, but yeah, it was Greg Papa. Yeah, so they like they had like a bunch of different people working and filling in, yeah. and then they finally went it with Greg. Work. It just doesn't work. People want consistency. People want to see the same guys if they like if it's a good show and good chemistry. And unfortunately, our guy Chris Rose, who will be a friend of the program, uh, I've had Chris Rose on my shows for years. Uh, especially just not baseball, but for football because of his work on NFL Network and my time in the NFL. And I think he is one of the best hosts there is. But, I, I you know, contracts or whatever, things change. And you, you, you make changes. And I didn't like with intentional talk. They're, they're rotating the guys. And you're like, eh, I feel like the show's falling off. But Steven Nelson is taking over for Chris Rose on a full-time basis and is very good at what he does. And he joined me earlier today, right here 
on A's Cast Live. Well, it's the longest running show on MLB Network. And of course, we are all MLB Network junkies. Steven, congratulations on the new gig. Uh, It's going to be a great show with you and Kevin Millar. And uh, uh, watching it so far, it's going off. Um, I'm very happy for you. Thank you so much, Chris. You let me know what your Venmo is. I will send you the proper amount for pumping my tires the way you did this there. Uh, so thank well, you for I, doing that. I mean, you've earned it. I mean, your work on the network has been fantastic, and it just seems oh, like a, a natural fit. It, you know what? Thank you for 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 saying that. It is. Uh, it's, yeah, I think it is a natural fit. I, Kevin and I clicked really from day one, and I think we're just kind of wired the same kind of weird. You know, Kevin a little more so. He's going to show his body a little bit more than I planned to on the show, but we're both weird. And, uh, and I think that kind of um, just helped everything fall into place, you know, after that, you know, whenever I filled in uh, for Rosie and yeah, at this point, you know, um, just trying to build and add to that legacy. Cause you know, what, what Kev and Chris did together was truly special and, uh, those are shoes that I know that I'm going to fail at trying to fill if I tried. So I'm not going to try. I'm just going to try and be myself, and, and hopefully that will be good enough for fans. You know, we, we bring Chris on all the time, and I've been having him on my show for, for many years, my old talk show. Obviously, I, I used to work for the Raiders, so I would have him on yeah. NFL Network. But I think you were very classy on how you handled it because you had to recognize – what they were able to build together, I, th- I think you did a really good job with that. Well, thank you. And look, it, 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 honestly, if I could, I could have gone all show uh, talking about Chris Rose because from the you know the day I stepped foot into the network here in Secaucus, New Jersey, you know, he was one of the first people to to welcome me in with open arms. You know, that send me an email or a text after every time I filled in, and you know, even after the announcement last week. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he, you know, he was one of the people who sent me a note and he didn't have to do that. And I can't really describe what that meant to me in that moment. Um, and, and still now just thinking about it, uh, he's just, he's just pure aces, you know, and there's a reason why he's uh, one of the greatest of our generation in terms of sports broadcasting for everybody who grew up watching him on best Sam and then through it. And then, you know, now still on NFL network, what he's doing with John boy, like that's, that's rosy. And um, he's the best and he, he deserves the best and he deserves, you know, every bit of praise that I could give. And I, again, I just, <laughs> I hope I don't crash the, the car that I've been given the keys to because um, it's, <laughs> like I said, it's uh, taking over for him is a, is a true honor. You know, Millar's an interesting cat because, and I, I, I used to do a talk show with one of his old teammates. So we got a chance to have him on all the time. And, you know, the fact that he's a confident guy, obviously, very accomplished World Series champion, but he's a guy that had to work for everything that he got. Obviously, was not a first-round draft pick. Obviously, wasn't a bonus baby. And I think because of that, it's the way it shaped him that he understands. You know what I'm getting at? It's like he's like he's not like one. Totally. A lot of these guys you interview are different. And the fact that you're working with him, it's like he's really a special guy because yeah, he's had greatness, but he had to work so hard to get it. A hundred percent. 
I, I, I also love the term bonus baby. I've actually never heard that as often as I now believe I should have heard that up to this point in my life. So I might steal that from you, Chris. Um, <laughs> but no, but you're right. I think when you have one of those, those classic grinders, um, even the thing that he is most famous for, the shtick that we play off in the, on this show more than anyone else is the, the 04 champ. You know, he, the Red Sox signed him away from Japan. Like he was, he didn't have a major league home before, you know, putting on a, a Boston uniform. And you're right. He, you know, bounced around. He had to play multiple positions, learn how to play some of them on the fly. Um, and that's a path that, uh, you know, in our own broadcast world that I kind of identify with, you know, just didn't go to a big broadcasting school, didn't go to a powerhouse like Syracuse or USC or Northwestern. Just went to a small school in Orange County where I'm from in Southern California, Chapman. You know, finding my first job in the industry, it, it was damn near impossible. I had to, you know, go to Rockford, Illinois for, you know, classic broad, broadcast internship and basically, you know, pay it up out of pocket to, to do it. And, you know, then go the local TV route. So I, I think, um, you know, that uh, that grind and earning it is uh, something that um, – I think we have in common in our own ways, our own lanes. And that's certainly a mantra that I still tell myself even now after, you know, getting the honor of hosting the show, like I still have stripes to earn. Like, you know, this is an opportunity that I, I still need to prove that I deserve. So you went, you went to, I know where Chapman is. I actually, uh, I played, oh, yeah. I, played, I played baseball at San Jose state. I have a save against Chapman. No way. Stop. <laughs> that is amazing. Hey, yeah, hey, no, hey, 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 by the way, Chapman's not cheap either. No, no, it's not even more. It's even worse now, and it's because they, they, you know what, they tried. Uh, they tried to like model themselves as like a USC of Orange County. It's like, well, you could have just stayed in, you know, the, your lane of just being who you are. Like, trying to, trying to like puff your chest out and be Annenberg or the the Lucas Film School. It's like, nah, just kind of own this space. But uh, that's way above my head. But that's awesome that. You beat my Panthers. Uh, I love you even more for it. And uh, yeah, so, so so a ton of D three pride for for me. You know, when 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 you look at this baseball season, we're starting to find out. Okay, it's going to be different than last year, but there's going to be some similarities. We're still going to have the testing. We're still going to have a lot of the protocols. But just how excited are you that we're going to have 162 games and we're going to have a full season? That's that's the hope. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of hope last year, you know, and I feel that heading to 2021, we're like you said, we're, we're not home yet. We are not out of this pandemic tunnel, but this is as like opening day is going to feel as close as we've probably ever been, I think, this year, um, just because last year sucked. It was trash. Let's just be honest. Like, it, was, it was brutal and it challenged us all in in ways that are uh, personal and different for everybody right so now that we are kind of on the eve of this opening day where we're staring at 162 games slate lord willing we're going to see all 162 of those games played for all all these major league teams like that is something to be excited about I, i'm you know the news that came out today with major league baseball with all the the work being done in ballparks and turning into vaccination sites like that's that's awesome too. I hope people continue to stay vigilant and considerate of their fellow humans, you know, and, and masking up when they go out to games, but gosh, just 
being out ballparks and you know uh, just smelling the smells and hearing the pops and uh, of, of the mitts and the crack of the bat again like all those little things that we missed dearly in 2020 the fact that we're going to get those again like that's uh, those aren't small victories those are huge victories i think yeah you mentioned the vaccination sites for us at the oakland coliseum actually fema is running our our, our vaccination site at, at the oakland coliseum so fans are going to show up and they're going to see people in hazmat suits and uh it's going to be a completely different world. There's no tailgating. There's just, it's, it's going yeah. in and, and going to the games. But I think people in the end will just, I mean, how much, I know for me to appreciate just to go to the ballpark and have some sort of normalcy again. Yeah. no, And that's it. Like, you know what? It's, we can't be choosers, you know, after last year, if I got to, you know, sacrifice a, a, a tailgate to be able to see a ball ball game in person again, I'm going to sacrifice the tailgate. You know what I mean? Like we just, you got to do this the very least we can do. I, I think uh, I always think back to that quote uh, last year that it went viral with Sean Doolittle, but I think it was Jane McManus who first said it. And it was like sports are a reward for a functioning society. And we got to, I think we got to earn that. We have to earn, you know, these blessings that are coming our way. And, you know, what, what all these teams and these players and support staff and the frontline workers and essential workers who are trying to keep everybody safe so we can get through the season, we owe it to them. So I mean, that, that's how I'm approaching it with just a, a grateful heart and mind. And uh, again, fingers crossed that uh, we, can, we can take some good baseball. And, and look, I've looking at your squad, specifically Oakland, like it's, it's a team that I, I've grown to love for the past three years since I've joined the network and, I've had a lot of good chats with all those ball players. I just love Oakland's brand of baseball, and uh, again, I'm I'm excited to watch them compete too. You know what? What what I like talking about a uh, fellow West Coast guy is you understand how it is out here compared to back east. They act like oh. some of these West Coast teams. I'm not going to mention who, but a guy actually said on a very very popular ESPN podcast where he said, well, I see the Angels are going to take the division back from the Astros. It's like, bro, the A's won the division last year. It's like, I understand we play late. I get it. But uh, I think you understand how good the A's have been, where I think some people on the East Coast maybe haven't been paying full attention. Brother, don't get me started on East Coast bias. I mentioned trash earlier. I'll mention it again. It is awful. I am Team West Coast bias, and I annoy the heck out of my coworkers with it here. Just to remind them, like, hey, there are more than three teams. Like, it's not just the Yankees, the Mets, and the Red Sox, just in case you forgot about it, or the Dodgers, because uh, you know what, where Los Angeles is on the map. But, uh, yeah, I, I said that to Mark Canna last time I talked to him last season. It was just like, no matter what that team does, no matter what, they just they never get any due. It's always it's a fluke. It's a, a flash in the pan. It'll pass. It means nothing. And look, like now it's just about that group doing it on the postseason stage. And they knocked out my White Sox last year in, in the first round. There's a step. Now they take another one. You know, this year, that's what they're hoping for anyway. And um, I just think that with the – similar to Tampa. You know, Tampa is starting to get – you know, because they won the pennant, and deservedly so. They're getting that, that ink and that airtime about culture, right, and how everybody is bought into to what they do down there, how they do it. And I think it's the same in Oakland. And so the A's, because folks want to – 
crack on the Coliseum or, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, typecasting because of Moneyball or whatever, whatever preconceived notions they have about the A's are like this team over the past couple of years. And I think again, this year will keep shattering those, those, uh, those, those stereotype ceilings, so to speak. Let's end on this. Speaking of your white Sox, I thought yeah. it was absolutely ridiculous when people were like, Oh my God, Tony LaRussa, this is not going to be a good fit. We made the argument. Cause obviously, you know, Tony's a friend of the program. We've had him on a lot. I'm like, Tony's managed some of the biggest egos in the history of the game. When you're talking about Ricky Henderson, when you're talking about Jose Canseco, Dave Parker, Dennis Eckersley, you know, all the guys he had with the Cardinals. And now everybody thinks he's not going to be able to manage guys that have egos or not. And it's going to be get off my lawn, Tony LaRusso. I'm like, Tony's going there to win. Why is he going to spoil the apple cart? I, and, and, and already they love him. Yeah. My whole issue with that, uh, with the, with the tyrant Tony LaRusso was one, the optics of the process were bad, but like when you own a baseball team, you can do what you want. That's the fact of the matter. That's, that's the first thing. But my biggest problem over all of that was the conversation after that. You mentioned Tony Russo's side and his history, and that's well documented. You can read the back of his baseball card, his bio online, and you know what he's all about, the people that have come through his clubhouses. I, I hated how the, the, the discourse was directed at the White Sox players, as if those guys that you're talking about that have come out and praised him in spring training, the Jose Abreu, the reigning AL MVP, the Tim Andersons of the world, how they, they like him. It was as if those guys weren't looked at big enough professionals that they would feel some type of way walking into a clubhouse with a World Series, a Hall of Fame manager, right? Like they weren't adults enough to be, just be about winning. They're all professionals. They want to compete. They want to win. This guy has won the ultimate prize, well, prize is in this game that we're playing. So yeah, we're going to do our job together so we can all win a championship. And everybody was just assuming that it was going to be, you know, gas and kerosene, you know what I mean? And look, those things may still happen because again, they're competitors and things will flare up in clubhouses. Um, But I hated how it was just assumed that Tim Anderson, especially because he was the one that was specifically mentioned, wasn't going to be a, a, a big enough man or big enough pro to handle whoever the manager was at the Chicago White Sox. I just hated that. And I think we like just, it just showed the lack of respect that we have for the humans who, who uh, play in and operate in this game. Well, I can tell you this on my DVR. I mean, it's like mass singer and dancing with the stars and all that with my kids. And, <laughs> but there's two shows I record every day, it and MLB now when it's on. So I, you have my support, uh, my audience support. Um, you're, you're going to be perfect for this role. Appreciate you stopping by be well, be safe. And let's talk again soon. Chris, I'm going to hold you to that. Thank you, Cody, and the rest of the squad for carving out some time. All right, I'm wasting time, but carving out some time to have me on, and I hope hope to do it again soon. Be well. You know, he made a really good point right there. Like, no one gave the White Sox players credit. Like, they just thought they were all going to be a bunch of unprofessional kids. 
and they won't be able to handle Tony Larusa. These guys were in the playoffs last year. They want to win. They think they got it. They're one of the teams, Cody, when we talk about a handful of teams that have an opportunity to win the World Series, what, you think they're going to blow that up? I mean, seriously. I, I really like the future for the White Sox. And now that, you know, it stinks that Eloy Jimenez is going to be out for five or five to six months. But now Andrew Vaughn's going to get a chance to play. A guy that's had like 275 career plate appearances in the minors is going to be a guy that's going to get an everyday chance in left field when they thought he was going to be the DH for the White Sox. They ain't going to manipulate any service time there. Sorry, Jared, Jared Kalanick. Hopefully he makes the roster for the Mariners, but because if not, oh boy, that's going to be a big talking point around baseball. But Andrew Vaughn's going to get a chance. The White Sox have a very talented team. I, I still think the Twins are the better team in the AL Central, but uh, with LaRusso being added, I think Tony's the perfect man. And the more and more I watch them and the way that they respect Tony and everything and watching just watching Tim Anderson play and how, the way he talks about Tony, it's a good fit for them. And I think he can help them. Uh, win a championship. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I think that that's something that Tony wants to do, and, and it's something Jerry Reinsdorf totally wanted. That's why he brought Tony back because, you know, he made a mistake back in the early 80s of firing him then. Or, well, he, let, he had Hawk Harrelson fire him. Think about Talk about that whole weird dynamic. <laughs> Hawk Harrelson fired Tony La Russa. A Hall of Famer fires another Hall of Famer. So uh, just weird. But I'm, I'm glad to see he's back. And the White Sox are a lot of fun to watch. They really are. And, you know, with their pitching staff with Giolito and Lynn and Keuchel, and um, you'll see what they do with Kopech and the other guys they have, Rodon. They're going to be fun to watch in the Central, and, and I can't wait to see them come when they play Oakland because obviously Liam Hendricks is there. But um, you're right. They, it's a lot of excitement around that team. It just stinks about the Eloy Jimenez situation with him getting hurt. All right. I want to hear from Gio Gonzalez because our buddy is retiring. And I'm a big Gio Gonzalez guy. I, I think he is, he's good people. And really got to know him over the years. And, of course, the last time the Brewers were in town, Gio came over and came on the show. And we, wa we watched him grow up. We watched him become a man. And, Cody, is this first one... Is this about my experience with him when he first made the big league roster? Yeah, you're talking about how you had him on the, you know, he was on the, you were doing the post game show and all this stuff, and this was his answer after that, just talking about all that. And yes. So it was, it was Bay Bridge series. It was Sunday, and it gets announced that he's made the big league club, and he's down near the eighth dugout, crying with his father. It was a really special moment, and then we had him on the show. Here's Gio Gonzalez. You know, I, I remember talking to my parents and this and that, and, you know, my dad, you know, he worked his tail off with me every day and to see, you know, the outcome and, you know, get to talk with that with your parents and, you know, making the big league roster. And then obviously I remember, you know, Billy and everyone kind of like having that conversation. Seeing Bobby was – gives you kind of emotional feeling too, you know, some of the guys you've seen. You know, I was talking to Brett Anderson a little bit yesterday and, you know, I was super excited to see him, you know, and he's got a family now. So it's like, you guys have all changed now, you know, we went from kids to grown men real quick. And, you know, how, you know, you blink and just like that, baseball's 10 years later, you're you're talking about memories you had here many moons ago. So it's kind of cool to see that kind of stuff. And, 
you know, experienced the experience I had of having my first All-Star ever with Oakland. And, you know, I was just mentioning how, you know, this place has so many great memories that I can always take with me because it was the first place that gave me an opportunity to play in the big leagues. I think that's always a thing about when people come to Oakland is you know you're going to get a shot. Yeah. Your, your opportunity never ends. And, you know, they have such great coaching staff, great people to always be around. You know, I had Ray for the first time. Ray Fossey tell me I was – you know, I remember he pulled me aside. He goes, I've caught plenty of 20-game winners, and I think you're a 20-game winner. And the year we, I ended up winning 21, I called Ray, and I said, I, I thought of you the whole time when that was happening. So those are the memories that was left behind and, and all the excitement and the people that were put in my, you know, put in my journey to where I'm at now was unbelievable. You know, obviously being around you for years and yeah. seeing uh, Blue Moon Odom, you know, uh, Everyone you can think of that was here, Casey, Casey Chavez, Eric Chavez, then, you know, Ellis, you know, Bobby and all the people that, you know, played Cliff Pennington. I was with Cliff and, and Scranton this year, you know, you know, <laughs> same. And, and we were just talking about the old memories. Like, it's incredible, like how, how much uh, the game does kind of evolve and grow up uh, before you even know it. I'm so happy for him. You know, he made, God, what did he make? He made close to $74 million. You think about that kid that showed up from Florida and in the end was an all-star and made around $74 million. Cody, I'm really happy for him. Because I think, like, like what that interview when he was at the Brewers and he came over is he, he showed the appreciation that he had for this organization that, you know, he got traded over, and this is where he got his shot, and this is where he was raised. And, yeah, he ended up winning, what, what did he win, 21 games with the Nats? Yeah, the very next year that he won, the first year in, in D.C. in 2012, he won 21 games. And he mentioned later in the interview um, how he's so grateful pretty much of what Billy did for him because Billy put him in a situation, the best situation for him, and he told him that, like, I'm putting you in a good situation in D.C., and he talked about how Coco and Dallas Braden helped him, and you know he learned to change up from Dallas. And he called Dallas. One of, he looked. He said Dallas looks like one of the Three Stooges with his hair, which is. I remember him saying that. I was like, "This is pretty fun." We to get. I remember saying it to Dallas, and he started laughing. But uh, he was great for the Nats. Um, and then he pits for the. Where did he go after that? He went to the Nats, and then it was, the Whites. He he went to the White Sox last year, and he it went like it was Oakland, Washington. I think Milwaukee. Then the White Sox. Because I, I know it went full circle with the White Sox because he got drafted by them, and then he went back to pitch there. And then, yeah, so he ended, up, he ended up 12 games in 2020 for the White Sox. And he was trying to make the Marlins roster this year, and, you know, obviously I don't think he was going to make it, so he decided to step away. He's only 35, so he's only a few years older than I am, and, you know, I'm happy for him. I, I actually exchanged a few texts with him yesterday. And um, about coming on the show, and he said that he's honored that we reached out to him. He wish, he hopes everyone's well, and uh, he wants to take some time with his family. But we'll talk to him, you know, down the road in the season. Yeah, totally understandable. Hey, you know what? In the end, he won 131 games in the big leagues. I think really that is the mark. If you win over 100 games, you think about your career and where you are. You win over 100 games in Major League Baseball – that's a big deal. And like I said, he made a boatload of money, which is good for him and his family. It's, you know, it's, it's, he made close to 73.5 million, but he won over a hundred games. 
And guys like Cody can sit here and tell you that wins don't matter. Cody's never won a game in Major League Baseball or lost a game, so he doesn't care. To these starting pitchers, wins matter. And to win that many games is a big deal. And I can't wait to have him on just to congratulate him on a great career because he was so good to us. Uh, the different radio stations we were on. And then, of course, be coming on Ace Cast Live. That was two years ago. Geo's good people. I, I will always be a Geo Gonzalez fan. Coming up next, the Bronx Bombers. Ken Singleton, longtime broadcaster for the Yankees, longtime Oriole. We're going to talk about the Yankees in 2021 right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, it's always an honor to have Ken Singleton on. What a class act, what a career he's had. You know, I like to call it a baseball life as a player and a broadcaster. You know, what he did, he's in the Orioles. I'll do that whole announcement right here. But uh, great to have him on earlier today right here on A's Cast. Well, our next guest here on A's Cast Live is a former All-Star, a World Series champion. He won the Roberto Clemente Award, of course, is in the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame. The great Ken Singleton is with us once again here on A's Cast Live. Ken, it's great to hear from you. How are you? It's nice to join you again. I'm doing well. I'm I'm getting ready to uh, uh, see the start of this baseball season and get things going. I mean, at this time last year, we were all shut down. Yeah, and I know the one thing that that we've really gotten from our players and and other players, uh, especially in Arizona, is just the appreciation of having fans back. Like, it it now means so much to these players to get the fans back to where, Ken, they've even joked that even if they're getting heckled, they like it. (laughs) Well, you know, players are used to that when they go on the road, so... uh... I, you know, I've heard the same thing here in Florida that the players are happy that uh, there are some fans. I know it's not the full capacity yet, but uh, it appears as though we're moving in that direction. And maybe by the uh, end of the summer, uh, you know, you can see the ballparks completely full again, and that that would be something that uh, uh, we all would like to see. I'm sure. You know, obviously the Yankees are the favorite in the East. We're not exactly sure. Uh, what the Rays will be like. We know they will be tough. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have a bunch of young talent, and they've added George Springer. But when you look at last year, there's some really interesting things to look at the Yankees. You know, the Yankees, they, they led baseball in airs, but yet they also, their hitters led in walks, uh, pitching, they had a ton of strikeouts. I mean, it was an interesting year for the Yankees at 33-27. and 27. Yeah, it, it was. Actually, they got off to a very, very good start uh, in the shortened season. But then they faltered some. And you're right, uh, the defense wasn't always sharp. Uh, the pitchers were okay. You know, they, they were pretty good. They did strike out a lot of people. And when you have a Garrett Cole on your staff, you're going to pick up more than your share of strikeouts. Uh, they do have power. They hit home runs. That's predominantly how they win games. Uh, I, I think this year... Uh, from what I've seen in spring training, the pitching has been very, very good. The Yankees have a, a pretty good spring training record. I know that won't mean anything come Thursday when things get started, but uh, I, I do feel as though uh, this team is a little bit better in terms of uh, starting pitching. 
Uh, Corey Kluber's looked good this spring. Uh, Jameson Tyone has looked very good. Domingo Herman, back from suspension, has, has pitched maybe the best of all of them. And Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is a, uh, another year removed from Tommy John surgery, and he's the only lefty in the rotation, and he, too, has thrown the ball very well this spring. You know, as you know, some guys have signed with the Yankees, and the stage is just too big for them, and mm-hmm. they end up struggling. Uh, we didn't get any sense of that with Garrett Cole last year. He looked like Garrett Cole. Talk about what he was like. I mean, it was only 60 games, but talk about, I mean, because we can, we were actually in San Diego for the winter meetings when he signed. And I mean, there was uh-huh. like a roar at the winter meetings when, when he signed. Talk about his first year. Uh, he, he was very strong. Uh, he came as advertised. Uh, he's certainly, uh, uh, some people think now he's the best pitcher in the American League. He's certainly powerful. He's got the fastball. He can touch 100. His slider is good. He knows what he's doing out on the mound. Uh, he, he, he gives up some home runs. You know, he, he gets that fastball elevated. He's a fly ball pitcher. And every once in a while, some of them will leave the ballpark. But usually they're solo shots because he doesn't walk too many people. So that, I, I think that uh, the Yankees feel pretty good about their investment so far as to what they uh, – paying him, which is, you know, quite a hefty number. And uh, as soon as he got to spring training this year, manager Aaron Boone of the Yankees said, yep, he's going to be opening day starter. And uh, he'll be on the mound at Yankee Stadium on Thursday against Toronto. You, you know, I mean, the best, avail- the best ability is availability. And it's like, how can the Yankees keep Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge healthy? Because if they're healthy, my God, the numbers they can put up – they have such a hard time staying on the field. You're right. They, they've been uh, injured quite a bit the last couple of years. Yankee fans are, you know, kind of frustrated that they're out of the lineup. But both of them have looked very good this spring. Uh, Stanton uh, has had a very good spring. His batting average is way up there. He's hit a few home runs. Uh, Yankee fans are kind of worried because Judge had not hit any home runs this year in spring training. But he finally took care of that against the Phillies at Daycare Ballpark in Clearwater. Uh, he hit one completely out of the ballpark off of uh, left-hander Matt Moore. Uh, it cleared the left field wall, the left field stands, and uh, they said it was about 111 miles off the bat's uh, bat speed. But I think uh, you know it might have gone 111 miles distance <laughs> as well as he hit that one. You know, in, in in your great career, how did you approach spring training? Well, I wanted to have a good spring, but I really wanted to feel like I was ready to go in the last week. Uh, you know, you get down there at the beginning of spring training when the games start. Uh, you want to get into spring training in relatively good shape. It's It wasn't uh, like it is now. Some players actually use spring training to get themselves in condition to play. Well, now players report in condition, and they have, you know, it's a 12-month-of-the-year job, and they're ready. They're ready to start competing. There's a lot of money on the line. And uh, so uh, now they're ready to get ready to play. The spring training preparation for the games is not as long as it used to be. We used to, you know, work out for a couple of weeks and then start playing. Well, now the workouts are cut down to about a week, and then they start playing the games. So, uh, uh, yeah, I I think that by the end of the spring, I wanted to feel as though I was ready to start the season. I've, I've wanted to have uh, my batting eye intact, my stroke ready, and just ready to play baseball. 
of course, uh, you know, you weren't always in a hurry to leave Florida to uh, go up north and uh, play in 30-degree weather, which which happened quite a bit. But uh, it was just the nature nature of April in cities like Milwaukee or even Baltimore. I, I remember uh, uh, Baltimore was considered a warm-weather city in the American League back in the day, and we used to open at home. I've been there 10 years. I think we opened at home like seven of the 10 years. And... Uh, uh, but I remember opening Milwaukee and getting snowed out. I remember opening Detroit and getting snowed out. Yeah, well, and, and you're playing at Old Memorial Stadium, the home of Johnny Unitas. Yeah, we were. Um, but uh, it's it's not there anymore. It is. Uh, it's been turned into a, uh, believe it or not, a YMCA center. And also, uh, Cal Ripken, through his foundation, built a ballpark there for kids to play. How tough is it for you to, uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're in the Orioles Hall of Fame. We, mm-hmm. we, we knew it as the Oriole way. And to just yeah. to watch what they are right now, and I know the Yankees have just absolutely hammered the, the Orioles the last couple of years. Just, just, just for you as a career Oriole, how tough is that to watch? You know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, I still live in Maryland. And uh, a lot of my uh, friends now that I play golf with are my former teammates. And we talk about this all the time, that uh, when we were there, the Orioles organization was a, a, like a model organization. The other teams wanted to be like us. Well, now they always seem to be in a, a consistently rebuilding. So it, it's, it's not the same as it used to be. And that, that to me, that's kind of unfortunate because the Orioles fans are among the most passionate in baseball and that they – the older ones, at least, are used to success that the teams used to have. I was I played there for 10 years, and we had a winning record in all 10 seasons, and we went to a couple of World Series. Yeah, you got, I mean, when I was growing up, the Orioles were a model organization. It was the Oriole way. It was the Dodger way, and it's uh, – it's just hard to believe where they are right now. Uh, we know how tough the Rays are, and the Rays obviously are a lot like mm-hmm. the Oakland Athletics. I mean, the way we do business is very similar. The team, though, that could be scary, but I don't know how 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 they're going to make it happen, Ken, with the Toronto Blue Jays playing in Florida, and then we think from Florida at some point they probably will go to Buffalo before they ever go back to Toronto. Toronto. I mean, they could be playing in three different stadiums at home this year. How tough is that going to be on this young team? Yeah, that's it's unusual. Um, well, they're going to be playing in their spring training facility, which has been uh, upgraded considerably. Um, and then you're right. You know, I wouldn't want to be playing in Buffalo in April either. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, that, that, that could be um, – snowy scary to be honest with you uh so they're, they're gonna wait uh, i don't know when the exact date is maybe may or early june before they actually head north I, this is going to be interesting down here too i don't know how many day games they're going to play and uh compared to night games because i don't know if the lights are majorly quality down here uh the players association would have something to say about that if they feel that the lighting is not uh, uh, of the quality that it should be, uh, if there's, you know, with the pitchers throwing so hard as they do now, that, that could be a detriment uh, to the hitters. Uh, so we'll see what their schedule, early season schedule is going to be like. I know they did play night games in Buffalo last year. So, um, uh, but eventually, 
you know, it, it's no guarantee they're going to play in Toronto this year. Uh, I, I think the, from what I've read in Canada, they're a little further behind in vaccinations than they are here in the United States. So the, it, it might take a little while for them to get back to Canada, uh, or it might not be until next year. We'll see. Let's end on this. I just want to get your opinion on what it's like to be around the Yankees. As, as I tell everybody, there's the Yankees and there's everybody else. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just a, it's the same. I worked in the NFL and it was the same thing with the New York Giants. You know, the New York uh-huh. Giants come to town. They got more beat writers and calmness and every. I mean, just, just what is it like to be around the New York Yankees and how it's just a, a completely different animal? Uh, the, the, well, number one, the Yankee fans are everywhere. Uh, wherever the Yankees go, they, they draw great crowds. They have a lot of star players. Uh, you're right. There's a lot of media that follows the team. Conferences are huge. Uh, now, of course, it's all been resumed. Uh, and now by Zoom, and they're even on Zoom, their conferences take take even longer than they do uh, when uh, everybody was in person. So I, it's it's different. You're right. I, I've been with the Yankees for 25 years now, and um, it's like the traveling circus. Everybody wants to see them when they come to town. All the other teams want the Yankees to come to their cities on the weekend so they can draw the biggest crowd. But still, they draw decent crowds no matter when the Yankees show up, whether it's middle of the week or on the weekend. So it's it's uh, it's different. Um, having played, you know, the Red Sox are similar, but not quite the same. Uh, you know, playing for the Orioles all those years, it was a little bit more low key, even though we were a very good ball club. Uh, it's I grew up in New York, so I, I kind of know what New York is like. I mean, it's the Big Apple and all that sort of thing. It's got the most amount of people. Uh, in the metropolitan area, uh, the biggest TV market. Uh, it's, it's you know we we have uh, you know great viewership on Yes, and now they've got a Yes app, so you can watch the Yankees anywhere. So it, it, it's uh, it's, uh, it's quite something to be honest with you. And I, I'm glad to be involved with them for the last 25 years. I grew up in New York, so I know my way around, and it's sort of like going back to my roots. Well, I mean, you talk about a baseball life. What a, what a career you've had as a player, as a broadcaster. It is always an honor to have you on the program. Hopefully at some point we can see you again. I don't know when that's going to be, but thank you for your time. Be well, be safe, and let's talk later in the baseball season. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope you're right about seeing each other because the Yankees do go to Oakland later in the year. It's late August, and you know maybe by that time, uh, the broadcasters will be able to travel. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's true. You know, Cody, that guy's had an unbelievable career. I mean, he was a really, really good player, drove in over a thousand runs, and to now be a part of the Yankees broadcast for over 30 years, that's, that's, that's a pretty big deal. I'd say he's had a, a nice career, and he's a good broadcaster, and I I always enjoy having him on because – Believe it or not, it's actually hard to find a Yankees guest sometimes. Um, I don't know what it is. A lot of the writers just don't respond. and um, They're like the one team that it's hard for me to get a, a Yankee person. That's why I'm glad I built a relationship. Good work. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I built a relationship with Ken. And the only other guy I ever really get a response back from is uh, Sweeney Murdy, who works for WFAN. And Sweeney's around the Yankees more than anyone. Uh, so I'm glad we have that relationship with Ken. And maybe later in the season, 
your good friend and Twitter follower David Cohn, your guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, should uh, maybe he'll make an appearance on the po- uh, on the somewhat yes. podcast. We show. need to have David on and go, David, you're not in the Hall of Fame. It's a joke. I mean, that's true. He he should be in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, well, we had that argument already once before. Very heated argument. Oh, we we got a little uh, Cole Irvin against Clayton Kershaw. It's the battle of left-handers tonight here on A's Cast. It was supposed to be Chris Bassett, but Bob uh, switched it up and said because Bassett's going to face that we play. You know, the A's play the Dodgers second series of the year, so the uh, they he went and Cole Irvin's trying to compete for that last spot in the rotation with Mike Fires on the IL. AJ Puck pitching tomorrow. I guess we'll find out. Puck starter. Reliever or minor league camp? This game is going to be on MLB Network at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. The game starts at 8 o'clock Central? <laughs> it's going to be It's going to be delayed. It's going to be tape delayed, and they're going to start it at 8 o'clock. Oh, interesting. So, well, the game will be half almost over. Well, these games are three hours long, so. <laughs> it will not be over in two hours. I, I will bet you my life savings this will not be over in two hours. You're probably, I'm going to say you're more, you're about 98% right that it won't be. Unless Cole Irvin and Clayton Carson decide to be the fastest workers, they channel their inner Mark Burley. And they want to work fast. I don't think. Yeah, I'm with you. You have a better chance of seeing aliens come down tonight than this thing being under two hours. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I was trying to think of a, another sports one, like maybe I don't know. Uh, the Raiders winning the Super Bowl. I don't know. You got a better chance of seeing Steph Curry go for a hundred points in a game than this game being under two hours. Well, don't. Uh, you're probably right. You're probably right. What are we putting? What are we putting the over under on time? Because it's going to start at six o'clock, six o five Pacific first pitch. It'll be over like at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> There's got, Dave Roberts and, and Bob Melvin are just going to empty out the bullpens. You're just going to at some point look at each other and go, "It's over. Let's just get out of here. This is this is getting ridiculous." It's going to be four four in the ninth. They're going to go. We're not we're not ending in a tie. We're going to keep playing. God. So that. Yeah, I that mean, is there anything worse than a long spring training game? I mean, I get, I get, we're trying to win baseball games during the regular season. I guess you can accept that. Uh, but spring training games, come on. Remember, la- remember last year when we were there before COVID and some of these spring, we we're sitting there, these spring training games, like, and because we we're going on after the spring training games. And you're like, are you kidding me? I don't need to see number 88 and 89 and 91. I don't need to see that. Put those guys on the backfields. Let's go. Maybe that changes. That, I mean, I, this hangout all day at spring training camps, that may be changing. Yeah, do you want to hear the lineups for tonight? Leading off and playing right field for the Dodgers. Number 50, Mookie Betts. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's pretty good. Uh, playing se- Batting second, playing shortstop, Corey Seager. Could be, you know, could be a. Dark Horse MVP candidate. Maybe you'll go a little out of limb on that one. Uh, batting third, playing third base, that'd be Justin Turner. By the way, if you haven't seen it, go to the Dodgers well, they Twitter. Got a lineup going out tonight. Yeah, check out the Dodgers Twitter where Justin Turner like essentially prank calls all of his teammates. He calls them on FaceTime and he goes, <laughs> "Hey, it's on a good time. Let me call you back." And everyone, everyone's like, everyone's like confused about like Dave Roberts is drinking wine and he's confused. The only one that gets it is Cody Bellinger. Dan, he goes, "Sup, baby," and he goes, "Hey, let me call you back. This isn't a good time." And he goes, "You," and he he curses, but is bleeped out. And he goes, "I know what you're doing." 
and then that's how it ends. It's really funny. <laughs> Bellinger batting fourth, Muncy batting fifth, Pollock sixth, Austin Barnes seventh, Gavin Lux, your guy eighth. Then the A's, Canna leading off, Andrews, Matt Olson, Ramon Laureano, Piscotti, Garcia catching, Vimael Machine playing third, uh, Francisco Pena, DH, and Tony Kemp at second base, Cole Irvin pitching, Kershaw for the Dodgers, Vince Catronio solo all weekend calling the games on AceCast. Vince is solo? Yeah, so Vince solo on AceCast. He did remember Don yesterday. I think, isn't Don with him for some games? They did the father-son broadcast for the four straight year yesterday against the Mariners. Yes. So that one's done, and then Vince will be doing it solo all weekend. He just texted me. So we're, we're going to be out of here in less than a minute. But, you know, A's Dodgers coming up. You, you're right. It could be a World Series preview like uh, everyone said last World year. World Series preview. I mean, nothing says World Series preview like an A's Dodgers spring training game. Are, are, are we at home or on the road? We're on the road. So where there's a Camelback Ranch. Is that where they play? Is that where the Dodgers play? No, they don't play at Camelback Ranch. That's poor knowledge. I don't. What, what is the Dodgers? Do you know what it is? No, I don't. But it's not Camelback Ranch. Camelback Ranch is the uh, – that's the uh, D-backs and the Rockies, I think. Yeah, no, the Dodgers. Wait, that place is that, that place is awesome. The Dodgers play Camelback Ranch. They share it with the White Sox. They do. Yeah, that's poor knowledge on your end. <laughs> that's very poor knowledge on my end. You were at this. You went to that stadium last year. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> but we played the White Sox when yeah, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> the White Sox and Dodgers share. So it's Mariners and Padres share, Rockies and D-backs share. Cubs are by themselves. Brewers are by themselves. I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. We're only there. Yeah. We, we, uh, to, 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 to save me here, I haven't been there in over a year, Cody. Same. So that's why we're looking forward to next week. But uh, we, we got to get out of here because we got A's baseball coming up next with Vince Catronio. I love it. We got live baseball next. And once again, you can see it at 8 p.m. on MLB Network. We'll see everybody on Monday right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.